Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist. And I'm Kate Hensler, developmental interventionist. How are you today, Laura? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. This this podcast, my first official podcast for my new vehicle. Yeah, and you said you're not going to really know how to get out? I chose a very quiet car just in case I got stuck in the car for the podcast. Which, as fate would have it, I did. Well, I cannot hear a thing. I would never have known you're in the car. I'm hearing a little static, but I'm doing this on my end, and I wonder if you can. Can you hear that? No, I don't hear okay. it. Okay. Well, we're just going to go with that, that it's fine, and I'm not going to try to call in another number unless you start to hear it, and then I'll try a different phone. But here we are, October 22nd, and ready for another show. I can't believe that Monday comes quicker and quicker every week, don't you think? It does. But I must say I enjoy my every Sunday. I think no podcast. Not that I mind doing podcasts, but the Sunday thing was getting old. I like this Monday way better. I love Monday, too, and our oldest child said that today, too. He said, that's so cool that you finally moved it to Monday after four years. So, well, it used to be during the week, and then we had – we moved it to the weekend to make it easier so that we never had conflicts with seeing clients. But I love it on Monday. I think it's wonderful. So thank you so much for that change. Thank you. All right. Today, let's get, let me get started with some announcements before we have our caller. We're supposed to have a caller today. I hope it's worked out with her schedule. If not, we'll just do what our original topic was supposed to be. Uh, but this is the week that I finally go to Chicago. We've been talking about it since the summer, and here we are. It's fall, and it's a sold-out uh, two-day event in Chicago, and I'm thrilled about that because so many people called last Monday. Remember when I was on the show last Monday and said we had had so many people calling to say that they wanted to register, and they had no idea that it was sold out because they had not looked online? And so we – do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Must be endorsers. <laughs> my my enemies are, are are procrastinators just like myself. That's okay. But oh, I procrastinate those too. I totally. Yeah. Well, you know what? And you are cutting in and out. I wonder if you are just in a place that that's going to happen. Maybe you'll get through that little space. But anyway, because of that, we have added another set of dates for Chicago. I'll now be there on Thursday, November 29th, and Friday, November 30th. And so registration for that is open on my website at teachmetotalk.com, or you can, if you get a flyer in the mail, you can follow the special instructions for uh, mailing in a check. And if you have any other uh, need any other help at all or have other questions about that, you can always email me at laura at teachmetotalk.com. Johnny asked me today to say... I have not been as timely in returning emails, and we are just getting volumes and volumes and volumes of email from um, the website, and I have not been uh, good at all about responding to those. And so if you are in desperate need of an answer, please leave it on the website or you know, send me another email and flag it some way. We have 14,000 unread emails in our email account, so that's how busy we've, uh, yeah, it's a lot. So anyway, I wanted to mention that and apologize for that as well. They're just things that uh, don't get done when you're ultra busy, and that's okay. I'm just going to have to leave it at that. We've talked about that before. Um, And I think those are all our announcements today, and our mom is here and ready to join us on the show. Hi, Linnell. How are you? I'm fine. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, okay. Great. Hi, Linnell. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm doing well. Sorry I missed you this last trip. Sounds like he's doing really well. He is. He is. Um, he had a parent-teacher conference this morning, and they were very happy with his pro- progress, so we're just moving along. Yay! 
And just to update any of our listeners, Linnell, who can't remember your name or your story, why don't you give us a little brief rundown with your uh, about your sweet little guy's history and that you've called and you've been here and all that stuff so that our listeners are up to date on that. Um, Elijah is almost 30 months now. He's nonverbal. He was born prematurely um, and kind of hit his milestones on time or just a little bit late, and then speech was kind of <laughs> stopped in tracks. And um, this summer, he was diagnosed. He was on the spectrum, and shortly after, we met with you two, and I got a great assessment of him, um, an accurate picture, and we've been moving forward with that. And at that time, he wasn't doing any signing. Um, his joint attention wasn't um, really great, but now um, he's doing a lot of that. He's um, bringing books yeah. to me, wants me to point at things, and any moms that are out there are like, okay, what is joint attention? What does it feel like? It feels like he's constantly in your face. <laughs> like, in a good way. way. In a good way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm like, wow. So it's, you know, it's trying, but you know, I love it because I know it's progress. And so we are. It is great progress, and he is markedly different in that area, in that arena, than when we saw him before. And you know, we did one of those. We crammed a three-day assessment into two days when you came to see us in the summer. And so by the end of that first day, boy, he was exhausted. And we really saw him kind of fall apart a little bit more than even your home therapist, your team at home had seen, uh, and really taxed his little system so that he, uh, you know, again, we were working in that really kind of intense, uh, therapy setting where we're doing that assessment, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, with with cramming all of that into what's normally a three-day schedule into a two-day schedule. So he was pretty darn tired by the end. And so to look at him when you came a week or so ago and to compare him to how challenged he was in that original assessment, I mean, it's such good progress, Linnell. I am so proud of, of you and little Elijah because you both are just doing a wonderful, wonderful job. And joint attention is where he is just blossoming because, boy, he wants you to do what he wants you to do now, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. He does to me, he does to my mother. I mean, it's just, like, constant. But, it's, you know, it's good. It is definitely It is good. good. And, you know, what, that's more typical than anything that any mom can really, I mean, that's usually what really separates a kid that's just going to maybe continue to struggle a little bit with communication versus a kid who is going to continue to have severe, global, significant uh, communication problems. And Elijah just seems to be, I mean, he still needs some services. He still has some work to do. But I think he's really turned a corner with, uh, how functional a communicator he's going to be, even though you're not hearing the words yet, he certainly is, you guys are laying the foundation for that. And, and again, I just could not be happier with, with where he is progress-wise because receptive language and, and joint attention were huge struggles for him. And so getting those things in line and, and things in progress in those areas, to me, would be more significant than even if he were saying some words but not showing those nice, nice improvements in social skills and in receptive language. Absolutely. And I have to make sure I let you know this, Laura. I was looking at the video from this summer, and uh-huh. you have definitely lost a lot of weight, Missy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. In a good way, of course. In yeah, a good in way. way. Right there. That was great. 
<laughs> Let's get back to you, though, and Elijah. <laughs> what you're, Tell me about what they said this morning. Tell me some specifics that they said this morning. Brag on him a little bit more from your parent-teacher <laughs> conference. Um, well, we kind of looked at um, his goals that were set this summer, and it was shortly after I saw you. Um, and so different things, like we wanted him to be able to sign, handle transitions, and all those things. Like he's doing a lot of those things. He's um, he's engaging with the, with the teachers. He's recognizing pictures. His cognitive skills have been bumped up. He's matching colors and shapes and objects and all kinds of things. Um, some areas in his pretend play, he's kind of stuck. Um, so we're going to start functioning, I mean, looking more at his functional play. Um, he's doing the feeding. Uh-huh. He's been doing the feeding for a very long time. Uh-huh. And so he's not, you know, okay, I'm going to feed the baby, then I'm going to put the baby to sleep. And he's not doing those other things. He's not generalizing. So we're going to start doing some more focus on that just to kind of bump up his play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bumping up his cognitive, definitely, like you suggested, um, using objects with the pictures, especially since he loves books so much. Uh Um, Doing a lot of that. Um, And then just this motor planning issues, which is really trying to figure out the best way to um, help him. Apparently at school, he gets so (laughs) ramped up that he can't come down. Right. Which is interesting because at home, he knows how to regulate himself. Right. Um, it's, it's and I could totally see that about him. Mm-hmm. You know, even so when he was here in the summer, yeah, even when he was here this summer playing with Kate and me, and the, he loved that ball pit. And he mm-hmm. really wanted to stay in there and would just get almost so over the top, and then he would have a big crash after it. And this last time that you... Came, I tried to prevent that a little bit so that he didn't get quite so giddy. Because a lot of times, once you go over the line like that, again, it is so hard for them to know how to kind of bring it back to the middle. It's like those wide, wide pendulum swings. And so I can totally see how that would be an issue at school for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it could be that at school, they're coming from outside and everyone's just right. So it ends up and there's always other kids around where folks being at home. Right, just I often he can kind of do it himself. So yeah, and it's noisier. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and so they noticed the motor planning issues too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the questions you sent me an email this morning, and you said, "Let's talk about a couple of things." You wanted to talk about what I meant when I said that. Sequencing activities in play would help him with his signing. And so we're going to talk about that. And, again, that's that motor planning piece. We'll pull that together. And then the other thing that we want to be sure to talk about is how to teach him how to understand stop in those dangerous situations because I think that is a question that comes up over and over and over (laughs) with moms in sessions with these kinds of kids. Kate and I were talking about it earlier today when I said, did you get my email when else calling today? This is what we're going to talk about, and, and she and I both were reminiscing a little bit about families when that had been a dire situation. And so we want to be sure to get to that, but let's talk about the motor planning first, if you're okay with that. Yeah, sure. Okay. And, Kate, you just blurt out, interrupt me anytime you want to jump in here and say something, Okay. I've never straight. stopped. I don't know what did it make today any different. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so motor planning, and again, let's talk about this kind of in a general way. And Linnell, I know you understand what this term means, but I want to be sure our, our listeners that are moms are caught up. Motor planning refers to how a child knows what he wants to do on a cognitive level or in his little brain and sending that message to parts of his body or his body to cooperate and accomplish the task that he has set out to do. And we talk about motor planning with language or with speech all of the time, meaning that a child knows what he wants to say, but it somehow short circuits. And, again, that's a non-technical way to look at it, but I want to just 
be very real life and as clear as I can be, but somehow it does not get to his mouth in the way that we would expect it to get there so that a child is not, so that a child doesn't pronounce or can't come up with the word that he or she has intended to say. That's one kind of motor planning. You also have motor planning with fine motor activities and even gross motor activities. Sometimes we'll see a child have motor planning difficulties when he or she is walking across the room and there might be some kind of barrier there, a tunnel on the floor, or even something as simple as a blanket or a pillow, and they somehow cannot process and program for their little leg to step over that or to go around it, and they just fall right there on it. Or a child who obviously is struggling to get up the ladder when they want to slide and they cannot coordinate that reciprocal pattern or even do a step-by-step pattern to get their little body up the slide. So that's another kind of motor planning when we're looking at it from a gross motor perspective. I think what little Elijah is having more trouble with is, is motor planning on that fine motor level or with his little hands, and that would be for planning activities in play or even in daily routine. So he's having a really hard time sequencing movement to get a toy to cooperate or to complete a little activity at school. And that's the kind of thing that they're telling you to, right? Yes. Yeah. He will seek out activities that do not require fine motor skills. Right, because he knows, boy, that's hard, and let me go for what's going to not be so hard for me. And that's human nature. I mean, that is human nature. Adults do that too. And, you know, again, (laughs) we want him to develop some skill with doing that so that he is more likely to choose those activities and to go after those things that are a little more challenging. Um, Some kids will just, plow on through and do things that are that are still too hard for them motor planning wise or fine motor wise, but they get so mad that they will tantrum a lot or have meltdown after meltdown after meltdown and they might throw a toy or kick a toy or bite a peer or any kind of really aggressive um, demonstration of their frustration. And so on one hand, it's good that Elijah kind of knows and has put, isn't doing a lot of that, is he, where he's having extreme behavioral uh, outbursts because he's not able to do, he's just more melting down or avoiding the situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you can see it the other way. Where And, and Kate, you've seen that with kids in therapy sessions, haven't you? I've seen kids really throw a toy across the room and, you know, mom might not recognize all the signs that have led up to. The reason he's so mad right now isn't because he's, you know, a brat. It's because he can't, you know, do what he was trying to do and play and he doesn't have frustration tolerance yet. And I, in those situations, didn't pull it back fast enough for him to kind of go over the edge before we stopped it and were able to kind of work through it. And and that, that does happen with kids. And it happens a lot with kids on the spectrum. Don't you see that, Kate? Absolutely. It kind of they fall on two two different uh, types. Elijah, who tends to just avoid it, or the ones right. who kind of try, but they get very easily frustrated because they. I think they understand cognitively what they want to do, but their hands just don't really manipulate very well, and they get very frustrated and angry. Exactly, and the wife may understand on some level. Man, that's hard, and I, right. I'm, that's not. I, that's going to be hard, and I am not going to put myself through that right now. <laughs> so let's choose to find something that's going to be a little bit easier for me. And again, I don't want you to mischaracterize that as him being lazy or anything like that, because that's not it. He just knows, mm-hmm. man, that is hard work when he's when he's faced with a situation like that. This terminology or the diagnosis for motor planning issues when you are talking about fine motor motor planning difficulties is called dyspraxia. And a lot of people will refer to a verbal dyspraxia or a 
and again, that with your words and with your mouth, but uh, other therapists might call it global dyspraxia, where we see evidences of motor planning difficulties, not only with his communication or with his speech, but throughout you know, motor skills as well. So you might hear that or see that definition um, given for, or diagnosis given for sweet Elijah too. But that's okay. kind of what we're looking at, and I, I wanted to bring everybody up to speed on that. Do you have questions about that, Linnell? No. Okay. No, did they say, I wondered... <laughs> I wondered what they did they tell you specifically what sorts of things they'd like to see him doing that he's really not engaging in at this point at school. Um, no, we we focus more on what what's like the next step, not so much on what he wasn't doing. Um, the his PT saw a lot of things that were emerging, um, like being able to throw um, something. Uh-huh. Um, and he's got the jumping down, as you saw, Laura. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's a new skill. He was, he was clearing that, yeah, there was a lot of space between his feet and the ball pit. He was really jumping, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and he's able to maneuver walking around in the ball pit and on uneven surfaces and the like. Yeah. And so for him, it's always these spurts of, oh, I'm not sure if I can do that. Oh, yeah, I can master it. So he's he's always all over right. the place. Um, yeah. But I was just surprised that the, the self-regulation piece of it, that the, they think that they can kind of work with him, figure out where his happy medium is, and kind of continue to work with him that way. And help him push through that at school. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, uh, there are evidences of that motor planning piece not only when he's playing, meaning he won't necessarily seek out a new toy or a new piece of, you know, like you just said with the dolls, with him playing with baby dolls. He's got feeding the baby doll down pat, but he doesn't always, again, move on to demonstrate those new activities because that's going to be hard for him to do without lots of practice and without lots of him seeing it and even hand-over-hand assistance to know how to do it himself. You know, there was a good example of that. Remember that new little cash register toy that, and Kate, that's the toy you told me about several weeks ago. I got it. Oh, you got it, Cash register. Yeah, I ordered it on Amazon like that day. Yeah, it's really, really cute. And so Elijah had never seen that particular toy before. And so at the beginning, Linnell, do you remember, he was just sort of trying to get the coins in the top, but he couldn't really figure out how to do it. And he was a little bit, I mean, he wasn't crying or screaming or having a tantrum or anything, but he was a little bit frustrated. You could tell that it was, you know, he kept trying to put it in. He, He didn't really try a lot of different solutions to that problem, but he did keep trying to get the the coin in the top, and then I put it in several times and would then show him how it would fall down the slot, and he didn't really do it without hand-over-hand assistance. I mean, I helped him several times while we were playing with that, and then we moved on to something else. But then when we came back to that toy, or when he came back to that toy later in the session, he immediately knew how to do it. He immediately put that coin in, and you pointed that out. You said, ah, he mastered that. He remembered that. That's a great example of motor planning for him because he wanted to do it. It wasn't that he didn't like the toy. Are you still there? I'm hearing all kinds of noise. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. He wanted to do the toy. He just didn't understand how to make it work. And, again, you look at it from a motor planning perspective, meaning that he knew the coin went in somewhere. He just wasn't quite sure. And until I showed him and then helped him do it several times, he wasn't able to do it. And the thing about Elijah was he didn't even do it by himself when we were still playing with it. It was later, like, you know, 45 minutes later when he went back to that toy. And then he was able to do it. And so that tells you about his learning style, that you're just going to have to show him, show him, show him, and help him, help him, help him with what he doesn't get from just you showing him. And then he'll be able to do it eventually on his own. Now let me bring up another thing. Sometimes kids don't understand how to operate a toy because of cognitive issues. 
and they don't get the whole problem-solving piece. And to me, Elijah might have looked like that at the beginning of the summer, but he doesn't look like that anymore. I mean, you can really tell his wheels are turning, he's thinking, he's learning, he's remembering, he's trying, and he didn't do as much of that in the summer as he did last week when I saw y'all. So that was huge, and I love how you said, you know, his cognitive skills and his receptive language, you know, they're starting to really come along, and again, we always see that happen before we can expect to see a big jump in how much he's able to say. Because that's just that's just how it happens. And especially with kids that, that have had some as many challenges. You know, he was so early with prematurity, he's had some red flags for um autism spectrum disorders. He's had some sensory issues, you know, those sort of things. He's had a lot of um a lot of little issues and not even little issues, huge issues. But we always see the cognition and the receptive language start to come in first before we're ever going to see huge jumps in expressive language. So I love that we're seeing that kind of progress there. Um, I'd like to ask you, like, one of the things that's starting to emerge are some feeding issues all of a sudden where he um, doesn't want to eat certain things. And before he was just, and he would eat whatever he placed in front of yeah. him. Yeah. But they know. Well, that's called being cool. too. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and being too. That's called what? I said that's being called being too. That's called being yeah. a toddler with uh-huh. suddenly refusing food. I mean, that's picky, picky eating is pretty common, especially as children start to exert their independence. But they notice that. Um, in the school environment, he's more apt to eat something that's crunchy than soft. And they mentioned that it could be that because there's so many senses, sensory overload for him. Yeah. That's just what it means. I just didn't know if Kate, if you'd seen that too, the kid. Oh, yeah. I mean... I think Laura's right. It's a matter of degree. You know, they can go from just your basic picky eater, which occasionally I'll see a child who isn't, but I think that 80% of all two-year-olds are picky eaters. And um, it may be, in a way, a good thing in that he's more Mm -hmm. aware of things and he's being more discriminating about what he'll eat and what he won't. I know that, you know, the mom side of that is not so great because you went from having a kid who ate anything to having a child who, and, you know, they can flip on a dime. They love something for a while, and then they're done with it. You know, how how did that happen? It just does. That's just what they do. Um, As far as having textural preferences, yeah, that's really common too. Lots of kids really do like the crunchy stuff. And you have the flip side, those kids who like only mushy stuff. And yeah. why that is, that's their personal preference. There's really no... Yeah, yeah. and he really could be doing it from a sensory perspective, too, like you're talking about at sure. school, mm-hmm. to get that yeah, to get that calming regulatory piece. And we do that as adults. We'll have, you know, if I had a particularly hard day, I want salty french fries. You know what I mean? They're crunchy, they're... You know, salty, I get all that is very regulatory for me, or I'm sucking in an icy cold Coke Zero. You know, that's really regulating for me. And so for him, crunchy foods might be serving that purpose at school as well. And I'm so glad they're so aware of that and are really pulling together lots of pieces of information to help explain some of these things rather than just being dismissive about it. So it sounds like you just have him in such a great place for school. Yeah. Okay, back to the motor planning piece. I want to talk about this too in the context of signing. And this is this is what I said in the in the little report that I wrote you that you had questions about. Elijah is scrolling through his signs, which means that to the signs he's doing now, he's doing more, he's doing eat and drink, he's doing help, he's doing sling. Were there some other ones? Linnell, that he's doing? Please. And then he did hat and choo-choo with you. Yeah. Well, he's 
scrolling and you, you know, you were saying he's doing scrolling, you know, even before I saw you this second time. That's really common, too, in children that, one, don't really know the signs well enough yet to link specific meaning with I do this sign for this action or this event or this request. And we see it a lot with kids with motor planning issues because they're still not sure. They know they have to do something, but they're not quite sure what to do. And so he knows, man, these signs work for me, and these are great, and my life gets better, and everybody is mm-hmm. so happy when I do these signs, so let me just try to do it all. <laughs> you know, and so, again, I think a lot of his, his it really is from motor planning. Like, what do I do? And so what I was saying in the report is when we can help him sequence activities a little bit better in play and get more control over his little body and more predictability, he'll, but the signs will get better because overall he's going to mature and his motor planning is going to get better. And so that's why I connected those two. And I, I should have done a better job talking about it when we were together so you would have understood what I meant. But when we're working on play and doing more than a few things at a time in play, you're naturally going to see those skills generalized to other areas too. And so signing will benefit when his motor planning gets a little bit better through play. And it sounds like they were trying to talk to you about that today in the parent-teacher conference too, right? Yeah, so you mean like like with the with the baby, feeding the baby, then putting the baby to bed or giving the baby um, a bath, like different steps? Is that what you yeah. mean? Okay. That's exactly what I mean. And so we want him to be able to sit through and stay with and try several different activities. So, And we call that <laughs> sequencing. We want him to do all of that kind of in a row. And again, for Elijah in the summer, he couldn't, he didn't, we had to kind of sit on him to get him to play with anything. So just that we are able to talk about that he's doing a couple of things is still significant progress. Kate, you were surprised when I was telling you how, how much better his play looked when, you know, we were talking about after the I was like, wow, that's great. I mean, it sounds like he'd come along pretty nicely. I know you still have a ways to go, but definitely forward positive progress um, in a lot of areas. Just listen to all those signs. I mean, he hadn't signed anything up until he came, and now he has. Yeah, that's great. Does he always start with more out of curiosity when he's doing his scrolling? Does he always start with more? Not all the time, no. No. Um, it can be any cheerleader move for the moment. He will do the He does kind of do that where he, he kind of moves his arms around like, what am I supposed to do? It's <laughs> <laughs> he tends to use help probably the most consistent. Because I think Using help? Did. Yeah. yeah. That, oh, I need someone to help me do this. And so yeah. that one he usually does spot on. Um, the mm-hmm. eat more and please, I'll get the whole dance routine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, again, I really think that's due to motor planning. And so if we can get motor planning a little bit better, You'll start to see that improvement in science. So let's go back to, the, like, play with baby dolls. First of all, the day that he was here, he was he did better with that mechanical puppy than he did the baby doll. So if any mom is listening and you're thinking, oh, my kid is not going to play dolls, you can still do these same activities with anything that your child likes to pretend. And for Elijah on that day, he liked the dog. And then we moved on to dolls. And we were talking about... For you guys at home, Linnell, you said that he has an Elmo that he really likes. So have you been mm-hmm. able to see some of that nice pretend play kind of emerging with Elmo? Yes. Yeah. Elmo eats everything. He drinks everything. That's actually how I work on his receptive. He, um, the whole, like, Katie, Kate, when you did the Cookie Monster, he responds mm-hmm. well to puppets. And so uh-huh. I have a lot of hand puppets that I use to 
say, eat or drink and the like. And so he'll do that with, with Elmo and with the puppets. That's great. And so what you want to do now, Linnell, is take that as your starting point and then just add new ideas. And how I like to do it is how we did it when you were here is that you'll just add new accessories. So I pulled out glasses from Potato Head, you know, have that in my little set. So he really mm-hmm. liked putting glasses on the dog. So it would be one more activity for him to sequence. We had a hairbrush and we brushed the dog's hair. We had a hat. And then that's when he finally let me play with the baby. It's when I was putting the hat on the baby doll and we were fake sneezing the hat off. He thought that was hysterical. And he learned <laughs> how to sign hat and wanted to keep doing that. That was that was pretty fun for him. But see, just and we had a toothbrush and so then we brushed the dog and the baby doll's teeth. You know, and so looking around at activities that Elijah already does in his daily routines and other little toys or accessories that you have already laying around at home will help give you ideas about how to how to expand that play and how to help him sequence more action. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Because I had been trying to figure out how did I help him with the motor planning and until you explained it that way. Now I'm like, oh, okay. That's yeah. So, okay. Yeah, and so Great. pull those just pull those things in from different activities. You know, he um really is into uh books right now and so you can even have um his stuffed Elmo do things with his books. Do you know what I mean? You're making that mm-hmm. book reading a little bit harder because you've got that character there. And so Elmo can kiss the cow and Elmo can uh, you know, tickle the duck, and Elmo can give five, you know, to the monkey. You know, I'm talking about that animal book that he really likes. So you mm-hmm. can bring it in that way. And so just think about when he's playing, how can I get him to expand this, and how can I make this a little bit more complicated where we're not, where we're going beyond, you know, feeding uh, drinking and taking a bath. You know, look for just that next little step of activities. There is a whole, um, I did a Therapy Tip of the Week series on this earlier this year, and I will be sure to send you those links so you've got some other concrete examples of how to do that. And let's talk about it with other kinds of play. Um, Sequencing actions like um, if we were talking about a ball and hammer toy, we would want Elijah putting the ball in the hole and then hitting it with the hammer and then watching it go down, getting the ball out of the door and then doing that whole thing again. That would be, you know, a, a sequence of three actions that we would want him to do on his own. That kind of play looked better to me, like when we were playing with the racetrack mm-hmm. and he, he would put the car in, push the lever, watch the car go all the way down, get the car, and then put it back in and do it again. And so I think he's getting there, and that certainly, again, was much better than than the summer. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have to watch that segment, and I was like, oh, wow, but he did so much better a week yeah. ago than he did in July. Yes, a lot better. And so, again, all these foundational skills are coming on in. You've just got to meet him where he is so that you're working on the right stuff and not make it too hard or else he's going to leave or shut down. He's not going to want to do it if it's too hard. Mm-hmm. So you've got to, and another thing for Elijah is he responds so well to humor. So if you can make it a little bit silly and make it funny, then I think he's a little more apt to stay with it too, don't you? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he has a yeah. funny bone for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so that may be hard. For you to try to think, oh gosh, what craziness can I can I do? You know, have a hard time thinking about that and how to make something sillier. That's something I would look for for him too, especially when it looks like you're losing him or he doesn't want to stay with you. Other things that I would do um, with him is he doing other kind of more traditional things in OT like that they do to work on motor planning like stacking blocks and stuff like that? Yes, he's stacking the blocks. He's the beads, the string and the beads. Yeah. Um, the bouncy ball. Let's see what else. The um, finding of the bead and the putty. Um, yeah. 
Absolutely. And those kinds of things, yeah, and those kinds of things will make it make it easier for him too, as he masters and gets more um, quality with his movement. Not just that he can do it, but he can do it well. You know, it's not a struggle mm-hmm. to get him to do it. His his play and his signing are going to look better because his fine motor skills and his motor planning are improving and that kind of thing. If he gets too bored with just that kind of stringing or stacking or those kinds of things, talk to your OT about ways to make that more fun. And I would, again, bring in his love for Elmo on that or any other, or Thomas or any other, or car, anything. And I would, you know, after he stacks those blocks, you know, let the car or character knock the blocks down and then do it all again. You know, and again, using, expanding his play, you know, you're doing two things there. You're bringing another uh, part of that play, introducing a new step in there, and then you're keeping it funny, which he'll want to do it over and over and over again, you know, to get that laugh. So that's something I'm going to do too. And just looking at his, what he likes to do in play and thinking about how can I get him to do that next step or what the next step would be. And there's some ideas for that in the therapy manual, but you know if you have specific uh, hurdles that you're running into with a particular kind of play that you can just shoot us an email and we will help you get some new ideas with that. I mean, do you have any other things that that you're thinking about right now play-wise that you're thinking, I don't know how I would expand that? No, not right now. I think this is a good jump start for me. Okay. But you know yeah, what I'm telling you, I do. Yeah, <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> she only has 14,000, so you'll be 14,001. <laughs> I would notice Linnell, though. Her, her, I, would, I would not stand that. I, mean, I would read and respond to that one. <laughs> yeah, but anything like that. And with your playing, the other thing is that you want him to, one thing that he was able to do that he was not able to do in the summer is stay with me through you know, several minutes of a toy and then at least start to bring out another toy before he had to run away to do something gross motor, like go down the slide or go in the ball pit. And remember this summer, Kate, he could hardly get through a couple of minutes with the toy before he really was so checked out that he couldn't do it anymore. Remember that? Right. And now he's able to stay with it a little bit better. And I love that you're comparing how he did before to how how he's doing now and now because that helps you see in living color mm-hmm. <laughs> how much better his play looks. The other thing I thought before that I thought, oh, he must be doing okay. But now I'm thinking, oh, okay. Um, it's not That's insane. what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's hard how to are his sign Good. I'm sorry. They're good, huh? She said, I was how are his line approximations? Oh, his more is so pretty. I mean, you would cry. <laughs> <laughs> and his please, and you can tell what he's signing. Unless he's doing that whole scrolling thing at the beginning, but when he gets to whatever sign he's he's getting to, I mean, it's obvious that he's signing it. Don't you think that, Linnell? I mean, once oh, yeah, you told me yeah. how he did swing, I thought, yeah, she's She's exactly right. That is exactly what he's doing. And, again, his mm-hmm. more looks good. His please looks good. Getting there is the problem for him. But once he gets there to the specific sign that, he, that you're cueing or that he wants to do, he's on the money. It looks good. Mm-hmm. And so that's another good prognostic indicator. I'm glad you brought that up, Kate. Once he, once he knows what he's supposed to be doing, and, again, kind of his end destination, the sign looks good. Sometimes we'll see children who are who are really, for lack of a better word, terrible signers. I mean, their signs don't look anything like what you're going for. And I think that was your question, right, Kate? Right, right. Yeah, I wondered because sometimes that's, I mean, you know, oftentimes when I'm working with a child and there's a language delay, I assume, yeah, there's probably some motor component, motor planning component here. But then when they begin to sign, sometimes you see that their signs are so far off even with really the simplest signs we use, like more, please, those are pretty easy, generally speaking. And, you know, I've had kids try to sign please on their backs. Yeah. Like, what in the world? (laughs) Or out in the air in front of their bodies. And it's like, no, it's your belly (laughs) right here. But you see, like, wow, he's really trying. 
and that's how far off he is. I just wondered. I mean, I only saw him do the more the last time, I, and now he has, a, you know, a little vocabulary of signs. I just wondered, you know, is this, is this help pretty close? Is this, it sounds like they're pretty No, good. the help is, and <laughs> because I think, again, with the, the motor planning, he couldn't do the actual signs. So we have right. more of a player that goes up in the air, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we need. So that, you know, Wait, what, what is it? <laughs> It's like a prayer. He puts his hand in a prayer. <laughs> oh. And he goes straight up. And I was like, yep, that's what we're going to do. That's it. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> Help can be a really hard sign to get kids to do very well. I think and it's really hard. I think mm-hmm. it's really hard, yeah. And that was some never... of my problems this summer because some of the the signs require very intricate you know, fingers mm-hmm. and yeah. things, and I was like, well, mm-hmm. there's no way he can do this right now. So yeah. um, some things I've had to come up on my own to just let's yeah. try to do this as long as I know what you're talking about. Right. It works. Yeah, it's just temporary, right. yeah. And But really, I mean, as far as just judging by what I saw um, when you guys were here, his hat looked good. I mean, he would pop his little hand up on his head. You know, and again, that's a relatively easier one. Choo-choo, we started recognizing that, you know, after he was really trying, you know, as sticking his arm out in the air and, you know, pulling it down as if he were pulling down that little whistle. So he's getting there. It's not, it's not, uh, he wasn't horribly off target. But, and again, the thing about this, Linnell, is with more practice, he will get better and better and better because, it, you know, it is a motor planning. That's the thing about practice with motor planning. It does make it easier. It will get more efficient, and it will look closer to the real sign, although I don't, I don't think what, this, what I saw wasn't that off. Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, close enough. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. All right. So, motor planning. We've talked about we're going to target it in play so that he's taking one toy and doing several things. Like with that cash register toy, if you had had that toy, we want him putting the coins in the hole, watching it go down, pulling the lever to open the door, putting the coins in the drawer, closing the drawer. You know, we want every play activity he has. Well, now you want him doing four or five different things eventually. Now, when he first starts out with something, you know, it only needs to be one or two. Keep it pretty simple or he's not going to want to stay with it. He'll avoid it. But your goal is for everything you play to do four or five different things. And when he has can do that with four or five different toys and then, you know, ten toys, that's when his motor planning will improve because he'll just have so much experience and so much practice that, that that will get better, I promise. Okay. All right. Let's I think move you'll on. have better success if you start with the, how do I want to put it, the payoff thing. And by that I mean for most activities, play activities, there's something that is highly motivating or very reinforcing for kids, like the cash register, pulling the drawer. They like that. So whether you're doing that or some other play task, help them with the payoff thing. If you can think, what's the most reinforcing thing? What does, when I'm watching him, when I model this activity, what does he seem most intrigued by? What does, you know, if you watch his little face and his eyes light up, that's the thing he likes about it. Help mm-hmm. him do that first and mm-hmm. then encourage encourage him to be more and more independent with the whole, you know, sequence of things. But if you let him do the fun thing first, you may hook them better than trying to teach them what may be actually the first step. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, again, if you have questions about specific toys or play routines, please ask us because, you know, we'll do a whole other show about that. That, (laughs) We can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's move on because I want to talk about understanding stops and no in those dangerous situations because, boy, does this come up a lot. Kate, do you want to launch us into all that or do you want me to do it? You go ahead. (laughs) Okay. It is so common, Linnell, for children who have developmental issues 
to not understand uh, the logic or the the ramifications of I cannot run out into the street. I can't. I you know I cannot do all that because they just have no concept of all of the things that could happen. And trying to even teach that at this point is beyond where Elijah and most two-year-olds, even if they have not had all of the developmental challenges that Elijah has had, it's beyond where they're going to be able to be cognitively. So I think your best bet to ensure safety for him in those kinds of situations is still to be a little overprotective and make him hold your hand. And if he will not hold your hand, you have to just pick him up or contain him somehow because Mm -hmm. expecting him to be able to conceptualize that something bad could happen if he doesn't do it, he cannot do that at two. And, again, most two-year-olds cannot. And so we can talk about ways to teach stop and no and all of those things, but bottom line, I think you're still going to have to go with the, boy, I am 100% in charge of his safety and I have to protect him even if it means he's going to scream and yell while I am holding his little hand or physically carrying him. And, again, sometimes that's hard when you're coming out of a store, but I still think you may have to do that for quite some time before he's able to really understand. Okay. And And we talked a little bit about this morning, and they thought, well, maybe if we started using danger, um, for him to hear that word only for those situations where it means danger. Um, right. As he's continuing to mature and right. the world. Well, and the other thing that I want you to do when you're saying that and when you're talking about it is don't make anything look nice or fun about you so that he sees your face looking dead serious with whatever word you're saying, whether it's stop or no or danger, so that he mm-hmm. gets, not even if he doesn't understand your word, that he gets by your tone and by how serious you look and or even mean or mad or whatever adjective you want to pick to make yourself look dramatically different from how you normally lovingly look at him. <laughs> you know, you want him <laughs> to get that. And so it is not time to use your sweet sing songy mommy voice. You know, then would be when you're yelling, you know, no, stop you know, and again making everything about you look totally different. The other thing is Elijah likes to run and he likes to be chased and that's a big Mm -hmm. fun game for him. (laughs) So that's another reason it has to look dramatically different when you are in those situations so that even visually he gets your cues that, oh my gosh, something is different here. I better stop dead in my tracks and figure out what's going on. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a good idea to try to try to pair another word that he's never heard before um, so that you're teaching him an entirely new thing. But I don't want you to completely rely on that because I think that may be beyond where he's going to, you know, over time that's going to make sense to him, but he's not going to know it the first, oh, you know, 70, 80 times you try to use that word because it's new and he won't have understood it before. And so I think, you know, still telling yourself, gosh, I've got to I've still got to treat him like, you know, he could get run, he really could get run over by this car or he really could, you know, get away from me and just be hyper vigilant about that. And it is a really common um, question that we get from Oz all the time. I have some really scary stories about when things didn't go that well. Uh, Kate and I feared a little girl years and years ago, and then when she was, she was a runner, she got away from her mom all the time. She was a sensory seeker. And when she, how old was she, Kate, when she? Maybe six, five or six. Yeah. I thought she was about that old, too. Johnny was saying 10, but I don't think she was that old. When she was six, she ran out in front of a busy highway at her grandparents and was killed by a semi-truck. Oh, no. I know. Isn't that awful? I had another little guy that repeatedly got out of his home. He was a runner. He was a Houdini. I mean, any kind of lock that his parents had done, and they weren't great about it at the beginning, but I got a call from that dad on Thanksgiving morning that he was removed from his home 
because he had by child protective services because he had gotten out and wanted to run, 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 run. So there are some pretty dangerous mm-hmm. consequences that happen when we even just let our guards down a little bit. And I know that that has never happened with Elijah. And I know you are a wonderful mom and and are. Never going to let that happen. But for listeners that are not taking that seriously, it is serious. And you've got to do whatever you can environmentally to protect a kid like that so that they can't get out unattended. For that little guy that got uh, removed from his home, they had to install multiple locks and they eventually had to get an alarm system so that they could hear one, even when he was out of his bedroom, and two, when he was out of any exterior door in the home. But his desire to run was so great that, boy, he really worked on his problem-solving skills with dragging a chair over and unlatching the door. And, oh, wow. Me, yeah, all of those things. He could do all of those things, but it just had horrible, horrible consequences. And so, again, Elijah, it's nowhere near that situation. And you're not talking about this kind of thing at all, but I just want to be so emphatic that parents listening that have a child like that would take it so seriously because it really can end horribly. Um, so how do you balance the, the activity? Because, and I'm not sure if you read my question on air, but earlier in the day my mother was in the backyard with him, chasing him and saying, come yeah. here, Elijah, you know, so... He sees me as he's walking, running through the doors. He's looking back, giving great eye contact, yeah. and laughing because he thinks, "Oh, this is the game again." Exactly. And so how how do you balance when you're trying to work on his right. effective language and that kind of thing in that kind of setting, but then right. you're out in the real world? Well, I, I would just that or. As blunt, no, I would still keep playing those cute little games with him when you're still within the safety of your own home. But when you were on a shopping expedition, I would be totally um, demanding that he stay with you. And if he is not, you know, like any other two-year-old would have a tendency not to want to hold your hand, boy, I would mm-hmm. belt him in. The, I would belt him in the cart. I wouldn't let him. I wouldn't. I would never let him be to the point that I could not grab him physically because he can get away from you in just a second. And I know our PT friends who might be listening would say, but they've got to be mobile and have an opportunity to walk. Yeah, but you can't walk out in traffic. <laughs> he can walk a week at home. <laughs> yeah. So I would I would really just start looking at it like, man, he could get away from me in a minute and just not let – I just would – you know, again, I'm saying environmental modification, meaning I would never give him the chance. I mean, I would either be holding him on my hip or have him belted in a device or have such a tight grip on his little hand, there would be no way he'd get away from me. And, you know, I did that with my own kids, you know, just being scared about them being able to get away from me. And, and again, we need to be even more so like that with a kid who's not always going to be able to understand and respond to our words. So I wouldn't worry about balance when you're when there's a safety a possible safety issue. I wouldn't worry about balancing those those goals or whatever. You can work on that at home in the safety of your home in the safety of your own backyard. And otherwise, I wouldn't even I would be so different about that. So is that what you would say, Kate? Yeah, I do wonder though, Linnell, when you had your little recent incident and he he thought you were playing. Do you remember, were you so freaked out that, I mean, do you remember what your reaction was? Were you saying stop? Were you saying Elijah? Were you, you know, All I, of the I above. just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it was a lot going on because he was running and then he absolutely loves the automatic doors. And mm-hmm. so when they opened, he just went for it. And, then, and I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, he's going for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's, he's on the move, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that you used a really stern, serious voice with them? Were you saying, stop, stop, you know, as forceful yeah. as you possibly could, and it didn't do anything? No. Mm-hmm. No, because he actually, when he got outside, he turned around and looked at me mm-hmm. and saw me coming, and he laughed, and he turned and kept running. Yeah. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. the game. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. See, that's what I mean about I would not even give him the opportunity. I would keep him belted in that car. I wouldn't even let him down since he's done that. Mm-hmm. He'd probably be 10 still riding in the buggy with me. <laughs> and I'm only joking a little bit about that. Because really, he's not going to be able to read you socially. I mean, he he's going to be able to, but you can't depend on that right now. You really can't. And keeping him safe is going to be more important than anything else that you would do with him. I mean, that's my take on that, Kate. What do you think? I have to agree. I mean, I I think you can play with it at home and try the very stern, very serious, very approach and see if you get a response. But when he's running out the door at Target into the parking lot, mm, that's, you know, the stakes are too high to to see if it's working or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I don't have any other great suggestions really other than be hypervigilant and mean what you say and be ready for a fight. That's the thing. They kind of lull you into thinking, oh, he's doing okay until he's not. You know what yeah. I mean? You're <laughs> there and, oh, he's staying right here with me. And then he saw the door and, shoo, and they can go pretty darn fast he's when fast they're highly anyway. motivated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I would probably work on it at home, but... The truth is there aren't really situations at home that are so serious normally, right. you know, that are as meaningful. But, I mean, how does he respond to no and stop at home? Not really? or um, Yeah, he, he, he has a typical toddler reaction. Like, he will stop. Um, sometimes it's to turn around and look to see if she really does, or then he'll try to do it again, you know, testing mm-hmm. the boundaries. Um, but he he definitely understands the, the he knows. Uh huh. Yeah. He, he just thought it was cry. the coolest game in the world with the automatic doors, and mommy could come catch him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. me. You did fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to mm-hmm. be able to really. Um, he's going to have to be further along before you're going to know that he understands that well enough to be able to not be physically restrained when you're when you're in public like that because it's too scary the stakes are too high so at home you can teach stop and you can certainly teach no when it's meaningful but again some of the ways that you would even teach that Linnell I mean you're going to have to just be so markedly different from how you normally are with him that he gets that it's serious and that you're not playing and that you you know really need for him to stop and that it's not chase and that it's not, you know, that it's a totally different game. And so he's going to have to be a little bit further along um, before he really understands that. And I think using a word like danger is good, but, again, he's not going to get it Mm -hmm. right away. That's going to be something you have to link over and over and over, and you can't really take the chance of him not understanding that and continuing to place himself in danger like that. Okay, great. I'll be. I'll make sure my mother listens to this. Exactly. <laughs> and I would never go to Target in shoes you can't run in. Yeah. <laughs> and I would really no kidding. for sure. <laughs> I would belt him in. I would just make him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even give him a chance to be down. I just wouldn't, because he's. It's again. He can just get away from you in a split second. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. I wish there was a better answer, but there's not. <laughs> I just didn't know if we should stop doing the activity at home. And, um, so it just sounds like just at home, do it there. You know, I, I think will. I would just save it for home and save it for, like, the backyard or wherever you're – or downstairs or wherever your specific activity is. And never, 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 never let him think that's okay when you're not in those situations. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't let him like run wild from you in the mall and play that. I wouldn't let him, you know, even at the zoo play like that. I just wouldn't do that with him because he's just not going to be able to understand when it's okay and when it's not for you know this next year or so. He's, he's, it's just unrealistic to think that he would get that. And so you're just going to have to be really careful about. Um, keeping him where you know within arm's length 
said that he can't get away from you. Mm-hmm. That's, That's the safest great. answer, I think. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much. You're so welcome. And listen, I'm not kidding about if you have specific questions about toys and stuff, email me. Okay, and sure and will. We'll, and, okay, that sounds good. And anytime you want to call us, you know that you have an open invitation. Okay, thank you, ladies. Thank, thank you. you. All right, have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. That was so fun to hear from her. I just love her. It sounds like he's coming along. He's coming along. I'm very, very proud of him. All right, any other parting words, Kate? We could have talked about ways to work on stop and no, but I think in that situation she can't even really depend on that yet, so it's better. it would just be better to be overly cautious and very careful with him and not even give him the opportunity to get away because he is fast. Right. I yeah, mean, even I when he was here right. in the summer, you know, trying to get out the door here. Right. Yeah. And the danger idea is okay, but that's a pretty um, elevated concept. Yes, very yeah. abstract. <laughs> For any two-year-old, it's dangerous, exactly. danger. I, I mean, yeah, you can say it, just don't really expect him to understand it for a while. For you know, years, and the problem with yeah. the problem with danger is you can't. It's hard to teach because you don't want them to touch the stove and you don't want them right. to run in the street, and so they don't really get to do the things that are right. dangerous. We're always trying right. to avoid them, which is what you need to do. But then he doesn't really get exposure to it, so it's still abstract. Exactly. There's no mm-hmm. real easy answer with that, but I I do think. It's good that she's thinking she would even stop playing these kind of chase games. And I think the answer would be no, play them at home and in a really contained circumstance, but nowhere else, no other situations where he might, you know, confuse, yes, I can run from mommy at the mall. And that would be confusing. And I've seen a lot, don't you see a lot of parents let their kids kind of do that? Like at the mall oh, or maybe yeah. on the on the aisles at Kroger. They'll mm-hmm. let them run up and down the aisles and then think they're going to be able to stay right beside them as they go out into the parking lot. Johnny and I saw a little girl, oh gosh, I guess it was three or four weeks ago, that her mom was standing there while she ate flowers. And her mom was just watching her eat mums. <laughs> we were both going, ah, stop, ah, what, 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 you know, just looking at the mom like, you're looking right at her. What are you doing? <laughs> and so again, she was just a little bit checked out, and her baby ate flowers right there <laughs> as she oh, stood wow. with the stroller. Yeah, with her child out of the stroller. Hmm. I'm just, I go the other way with danger stuff. I just think that you have to be really, really careful. Because we've seen so many situations where it hasn't worked out. Right. And when there's been a really terrible outcome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for this week. What do you think? I think we're good. I think so. Next week we'll pick back up with teaching a kid how to answer questions, which I think we we're going to talk about choices and yes and no. Sounds well, then she'll get the no answer. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All Thanks. right. Bye. Bye. Bye.